All right, welcome to episode number 38, and our neighbor just drove by with his boat. <laughs> Pretty nice looking boat, by the way. It is a nice boat. I do like that boat. Yeah. Especially around here, we have the uh, the lake nearby. It's about thirty minutes away. Pretty nice. I mean, we do pretty good from the shore with our inner tubes, though. I mean, it's relaxing. Mm. Yeah, it's hard not to want to be in a boat though, and um, be out there on the water and taking the full taking in the full experience of being on you know being on the lake. We have a really big lake, like I said, about thirty minutes away from where we live, and it's funny because I can see why people retire here, and <laughs> we're. We're not quite retired. We're only 29 years old, but we're kind of living like we're retired because it's kind of an interesting, you know, idea. And the, the topic of today is is kind of the idea of the traditional view of work and retirement versus kind of this new concept of work and retirement. And I've been writing about it a lot. And so um, one of the reasons uh, we don't have any ads on our our podcast anymore is because I want to make this an ad-free experience. In order to keep this podcast ad-free, I've wanted to create you know something that you can use to support the channel and as well as like get additional value out of it. So I'm writing a book. And this is exciting because I've never written a book before and it's kind of a bucket list item. It's similar to the MBA uh, that I decided when I was a teenager that I wanted to get someday. Um, at some point along the line, I've kind of decided I wanted to... to know enough about something to write a book about it and maybe help somebody who picked the book up to read it. And so this is kind of my uh, stake in the ground to to do that and accomplish that. But also it provides like a neat way for anyone listening or anyone visiting the website to uh, kind of get the concept and core philosophy of everything we talk about and everything I spend time writing about. Hundreds of pages on the website and it's kind of distilled down and formatted into a, a product, um, you know, that costs couple dollars and uh, allows you to kind of get all of the information in, in one place. So if you want to support the ongoing you know, podcast and the website, uh, my book is on pre-order. It's on amazon.com right now and you can pre-order it for 99 cents. And I'm pretty excited because I've gotten a lot of pre-orders and it's only been up for about a week. And when the book launches in October, it will be full price. Uh, it'll, go to, it'll go to $5.99 that week. And so this is kind of a nice opportunity for anyone listening, anyone participating or helping us out to kind of be an early adopter, get in at 99 cents. The concept is today's episode isn't about me writing a book. It's about uh, work and retirement. Where do we go with this? So let's talk about like traditional definitions of, of, let's start with work, for example. And with work, traditionally, it was that you would get a job, a secure job, and you'd do that job forever until you retired someday. And the company would provide you a pension and hopefully it was work that you, you know, you're lucky if you got, if you found work that you enjoyed. And nowadays that's a little bit different. The average person spends like a fraction of their career with the same company. How many people do you know, Kayla, that stays with the same company, school, like <laughs> she's a teacher, so. Well, I think school district is a little bit different just because typically once you get like, really settled somewhere and if you really like the district that you work for teachers stay a long time at the same place outside of teaching I just I don't feel like people typically stay at places forever anymore I don't know I mean we're we're also fairly young too so I mean but looking at our our parents like 
and family friends, some of them, yeah, may stay forever. And is it because they love it? Probably not. It's more because they're comfortable. Um, But I think this generation is going to be a little bit different because we really care about like our experience. And I mean, for me, work, we could get away with me not working. I work because I love teaching and I want to be at my job. So for me, if I don't like my school or I don't like the team that I'm working with or I don't like my district, I'm going to move. Like I loved my team in the district and we moved from Washington for different reasons, but I want to like where I'm working. And I feel like that's kind of the mindset that a lot of people have in our generation. So I don't necessarily think that people are going to stay just because that's what they think that they're expected to do anymore. Right. And I was actually read a post on Reddit the other day and it was a guy that was in his, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was a guy who was in his fifties. And he basically was saying how jealous he was of his, you know, millennial coworkers who, uh, kind of were ballsy enough to have that mentality where it's like, Hey, I don't owe you anything Mm -hmm. there. I can, you know, if, if, if work isn't going, if let's say work's not satisfactory, right? Like you're not having a good, you're not enjoying your time. You're not, you're being mistreated maybe, or, um, benefits are being taken away from you or whatever reason you don't like where you're working. The attitude of a, of a younger person, millennial or or younger generations are uh, is that you can go on the web, on the internet on LinkedIn and yeah. submit a uh, hundred yeah. job applications that night yeah. and probably have a job within a few day, few days weeks months and, and so the so the idea is that like you better start treating your employees how you how you you know how you would like to be treated um, with respect and provide benefits and it's really a, a game of retaining talent nowadays. Um, because they get an enjoyable experience for people, right? Yeah. You're spending a huge fraction of your time at work. Just like the real, just like you should invest in a good bed. You spend so much time, like what a third of your life asleep. Like you should, you should enjoy where you're working. Um, you should be able to feel safe and secure and be able to provide for your family where you're working. And if not, like go find somewhere where you can do that. Well, and I feel like you made a good point there with, if you don't, if you really are unhappy, it's very easy to get online and there are so many ways to search for jobs online and narrow it down to what you want. And it's so easy to submit stuff like applications now, whereas that really wasn't the case 10 years ago. And so, or, you know, however many years ago, but I feel like in the past 10 years, things have been really like picking up on that front. You don't have to go drive around and drop off paper applications. Like everything is done online and it is so, so easy. So not only is like that aspect of it easy, like actually doing the work to submit a job application, but, um, there's also that aspect of like, you're not face to face with someone turning in an application. It's just like clicks of a button. Here we go. Send them off here, 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 here. And if you don't get it, oh, well, you move on. But like, it's so easy to even just apply that it's not like some big scary thing besides maybe you worrying about your company finding out, right? And not liking that. But it's, it's a, it's an easy process. And I think people label our generation as like the, I want it now. But I think that 
we really just want to be happy. Like we want to enjoy our time and not spend every waking moment hating what we do. Yeah. And there's a, I think there's a big difference between I, w- I want a better job right yeah. now versus I want like a flat screen TV right now. And I'm willing to there's take it a out huge difference or something like that. And so be, having the ability, the knowledge, skills and ability to go on LinkedIn, present a, a really good image of yourself that, and that's what you should be doing. I mean, you, whenever you create a resume or you have a public profile with the hopes of using that to get a job, it should it should be the best possible version of yourself to put put you in a good light to land that job, right? Like you, you're putting the bullets, the things that you've done that are substantial. For example, I'm in software sales. So I'm not going to put all these soft skills saying that, you know, I'm a good communicator and I'm a good at, good at writing and, you know, that stuff. It's like, no. I've retained, you know, $1 million a year from my company for the past two years. And, you know, you put actual facts and statistics down. And when you, the cool thing about technology and today is that once you create a resume um, that's kind of industry focused, for example, or you're trying to go for a specific job, maybe it's the same job you're doing now. It's just at a different company. Um, once you have that resume made, you might have to alter a cover letter here and there, but you can go to LinkedIn Easy Apply and literally click Easy Apply click your upload your resume and then hit submit and that's your you've applied for the job and so there's things you can do right to um to set yourself apart you can connect with the hiring manager on linkedin you can follow them there's some techniques like follow you know the follow follow back technique where where you view their page um and you don't connect with them and then you wait and you they come back you wait till they view your page because linkedin lets you see that and so then you've kind of had this soft connection and then you go back, you hit them with a connection, put a note in there saying, hey, I applied for this job. Very interested. Um, I'd love to chat with you a little bit further about it. Um, and those are you know, little hacks and things that you can do. But reality is, is other generations don't know you can do that. And so mm-hmm. we grew up, I grew up with the notion that like, if you find a pretty secure job, like you're good, you should be there for a while. Yeah. You know? And the rule of thumb now, especially in the technology fields, are that uh, you shouldn't stay with the same company for a long period of time because you're going to miss out on income growth. Well, and not only that, but like um, from my perspective, like when I was applying for jobs, um, it was really, like I said, it was really, really easy to just submit everything. But not only like your career field, but my career field too. Like I have to be careful and like look at my different options because in Washington, everything is pretty much comparable, like district to district. But here, like, and teaching typically isn't like you jump and you make a lot of money. It's more like, what, how you phrase it as like time and service, right? So it's like education and how much time you've been teaching. But I took a job here where I took a huge, well, not a huge, but a pay cut from where I was before, but it enabled us to get down here and we were still okay because everything balanced out with daycare. But um, that's something that I'll be thinking about for next year. So I may job jump again in another year because if I, I'll have my master's and if I go into a district instead of where I'm at now, a charter school where my charter school pays you, um, based on like how you do for the year. I mean, your, um, data with your kids, how well they've done, um, how well they like you essentially, you know, and, um, but even so, even if they give you a pay raise, it's not going to make up the difference if I jump to a district and automatically got that pay bump um, from what they pay um, even a first year teacher from where I'm at now to the district. But also 
add my master's on top of that where my charter school does not factor that in. And so I think in any career field, you have to be um, really, really aware of like, yes, of what's going on around you and um, not just focused on what's right in front of you because you could be missing out on different opportunities that are going to come your way. And I feel like that's how we've kind of lived our lives is we've always kind of kept an open mind and like had a plan, but we've always been open to things that come our way because at any time we could get an opportunity and we could decide to take it and it could be amazing for us. So I think that that's a really good mindset to have. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's one of the core kind of philosophies of our family is that I believe that as long as you're willing to put forth the effort, like there's going to be a job there. Like you're going to be able to find something. And I've been in a position where I had a career in the military working on airplanes. And Mm -hmm. I was, you know, uh, for most of, most of that job was awesome. I really liked it, but I didn't like certain aspects like the travel being away from family part of it. Um, and so we sat and we looked at all of our options and there was the benefits of the post 9-11 GI bill. There was all these, all these opportunities for us available to us that we didn't have before. And so we decided to take one of those, you know, some of those opportunities and it it required me to work at Barnes and to separate from the military and work at Barnes and Noble for nine months. And we talk about culture shock. Like I went from a career, a respectable career in the service to working in Barnes and Noble. So had I been, like worried about what people thought of me or worried about basically, you know, all the things that keep people from moving or jumping or pivoting or changing their, their situation wouldn't have done it. No, right? We you would have stayed in forever. I probably would For have sure. it. I probably would have had really bad stress and anxiety. I would have missed out on a lot of my kid's life and it just, it's not, no job is worth that. And so in by my opinion, I knew that I could make money doing anything. And worst case scenario for me, I could continue to do some form of manual labor or construction or, you know, do, do something. I could find something. And so it's with that attitude that we jumped out from the military and went back to being a civilian. And, and we took kind of what was perceived as a step back, maybe a couple steps back, and then went back to school and ended up taking multiple steps forward really fast. And so I was told Kayla that, um, and I might have said this before, but I always felt that we were like in a slingshot. And I told you this. I don't know ago. how many times he's told me this since this first analogy. And the the big part of it is that it felt like we were being held back. It felt like we were not doing enough to work on our income, and it just felt like we were behind. And I used to always say, like, "Hey, it's it's like we're in a slingshot. Someone's pulling back, you know, on the whatever I don't know what you call it, the stretchy part. And at some point, we'll." be done with school and we'll have invested in ourselves enough. And when we go out into the workforce, we're going to be able to command a higher income and be worth more in the market. And someone will let go, you know, that force will let go of the slingshot and will catapult forward faster than we could imagine. And it's felt, I mean, I've, I didn't finish school till 2017, December of 2017. Mm-hmm. And it's been like so fast. It's, so much it's has been changed. so fast. Our income went from zero to like about 150 grand a year, household mm-hmm. income. And luckily, we put a good financial foundation in place uh, to be able to. And that was kind of the goal, too. It was like, hey, we don't have a lot of money now, but we're going to do all the things that we would do if we had a lot of money. So then when money starts coming in, we can do with it responsibly. And we were doing all this stuff. Didn't know that there was something called the fire movement. And 
you know, I was into personal finance. We read a lot about it, did a lot um, of searching on the internet and stuff about personal finance. And it wasn't until just like about a year and a half, almost two years ago that I discovered, you know, the concept of financial independence, retire early and, and the, the whole community of people, which is awesome. Um, but it's kind of funny. We were already applying a lot of these practices before before that happened. But the whole point of this is that, like, if you want to make a change, if you want to earn more income, there's ways like easy, like I don't say easy, but there's ways to do it. And the the, the, the way to find it, like the path to find is, is an easy path to find. But that work, putting in the effort, putting forth the work is is the hard, the really the, the hard It was part. a lot of work. I mean, we were busy constantly. We were always working on something, whether it was school or our jobs or, you know, our family life. Like we were always working on something or your extra projects or my extra projects. It was, we were busy, but, but <laughs> it was so worth it. Like, yeah. Put in the time, put in the effort, figure out what's going to, what's going to work for you. It, it's worth it and stick to it. Like we didn't just give up, like things were, things were hard and we could have easily given up on a lot of different things that we had started doing that have got us to where we were now. But I don't know. I'm pretty stubborn, I guess. (laughs) There's a lot of people, um, within like the veterans that I worked with at the college that would start and stop and, and for one reason or another, and they just weren't following through. And it's really unfortunate when that happens because then you start building up this like this feedback loop of like, I can't do it. And when it starts getting difficult, you quit and you never get to the you never get to where you're aiming mm-hmm. to go in the first place. And so the whole the whole thing and this all this is kind of a micro microcosm of the of financial independence, the, the whole journey in itself is that you just have to have faith that it's going to work out in the end mm-hmm. and it's going to all be worth it. Right. And for us, like the statistics and the data and the people we had spoken to, it all made sense and it all it all worked out mathematically that if we went back to school and earned degrees, that we would be able to earn more than if we didn't. And that's ultimately why oh, Kayla wanted to be a teacher. That's why she went back to school. Yeah. Finished, <laughs> made sure she finished school. You can't teach without a degree. Right. And for me, I still don't really know what I want, what I want to do when I grow up. And I really like what I do right now from a work perspective because I make a lot of money. Like that's, that's, if the money wasn't there, I wouldn't do the job I'm doing. Right. Right. I don't see you sticking with it. If you didn't make a decent amount of money, there's just, it's too stressful for you. And I mean, I don't feel like you really enjoy what you do. Right. Like not to the same degree. Like you get really excited when you get a good deal or, you know. Yeah, because it's lucrative. Right. But I mean, in general, like it's not. Yeah. It's not like you absolutely are like passionate about what you do, right? Like it's right. just different. And you can you can teach yourself to be passionate. You can train yourself to be passionate about the product you sell or the service you provide. Um, but for me, it really comes down to like the nature of the work isn't very enjoyable. It's pretty boring. Interacting with people that don't really want to interact with you isn't very enjoyable. It's kind of the opposite of that. And if there is a threshold where, you know, because I'm, I'm part salary, part commission, and it's about 50 50 and there is a threshold where if it was salary only that i would i would continue to do this job and probably find some joy in it but that salary would have to be pretty close to what i'm earning now and um with the being with the commission base it's 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 exciting but it's doubly stressful and so i'm at my best when i'm working on a complex deal and that deal is you know going to 
has a high probability of closing and win, me winning the deal. And when that happens, I don't know if there's a, gr- a better rush that I've experienced than, than, than that. And to me, that is what, that's what like work success feels like to me and uh, in a sales position. But me, I'm a creative person at heart and I like writing, creating, providing value, kind of value to society. I want to help people. Um, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm well read and I've experienced a lot of things and I found myself helping younger people younger than me following kind of a similar path. You know, found myself talking to communicating and, and building relationships with people like that out of the fact that like they're interested in learning from my experiences. And so I like providing that kind of stuff to people. And what I'm doing now as a kind of a side hobby, side income now is um, is this whole ecosystem of, of the website and the podcast and um, and writing the book and it's really exciting and it's a lot of times where that turns into uh, a good source of income to where um, a lot of people in the financial independence movement will um, transition out of like a full-time gig to either doing that full-time like the side gig where it earns enough income to do that or they're able to like take a job with a less you know less higher income that's less stressful and have more time to do the job that they that they really like. And so it's kind of like you can start to balance your life with what you want to do, what you have the most passion in doing. And so this kind of wraps up the idea of work is that like your perception of work is vastly different than anyone than anyone else's perception of work. And so when I was in the military, I saw people working in offices as like it's cushy, they're not trying very, you know, they're they're well taken care of, they're pampered. Maybe it's 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 weak, kind of a sign of weakness, like that person's not able to go out and do physical manual labor. Um, but after doing the after doing the job, being a mechanic, I was kind of envious of people that worked in office. Yeah, and so I was grass like, is always greener. I'm get a cushy office job. But now that I've had the cushy office job, it's easy to to have the opposite perception. Mm-hmm. And I've found myself after a really good day at work where a big deal may have closed and I may have made a lot of money, not understanding why people want to put roofs on houses. And not that, you know, that's just kind of a natural, like probably not a good thought to have. But the, re- the reality is, is that like everyone's pr- providing the value that they can provide and they want to provide and finding out where they fit in and what they want to do. And everything has a kind of the market value to it. Right. And so it's all a matter of supply and demand. And if you can make yourself more valuable to society by separating yourself from the pack, by um, maybe let's say roofing, for example, like the person on the job that's in charge of the whole site is going to make more money than the person hired to help put on the roof because those are a dime a dozen. You can find people, young people, people that are interested in in working outside, working with their hands. It's an entry level position. And so they're not going to make as much money. Uh, same goes for for software sales. When I started out as a business development rep, made cold calls all day, and I, I got paid less than what I do now, which is a more technical. You need experience. Um, a lot of places require a degree, and in order to be a manager, let's say my you know manager of that department, you need to have even more experience. And so the more education, experience, knowledge, and skills within a certain trade, things that you can do to to learn and set yourself apart. You can command more money in the market because there's less people like you that have those skills and abilities. And that's just, it's just supply and demand. And so if you want to increase that income, you got to find those things to do um, to, to push those things up, like to, to educate yourself. It doesn't have to be college. It could be through your experience on the job experiences. I think on job experience is 
probably more, but more, I would, if I was hiring somebody, I'd rather have somebody that has 10 years of experience rather than 10 years of educate book education. Yeah, I agree. So that whole idea of, of work is, is, is funny. And the reason I want to talk about it and bring it up is because, um, the perception of people, financial independence movement is, is that they're lazy is that they, that they don't want to work. And the idea is like, if I was working on my website and let's say like this website and the podcast, the fire of the family brand, if I was working on that full time, I can almost bet you that people would not understand that that's work and that I could make money doing what I'm doing. Of course, if you get like to be a big guru or, you know, somebody like Dave Ramsey or Dr. Phil or Ellen DeGeneres, someone like that, like, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. All they're doing is all, they're not doing anything different. They're just doing it better and they've been doing it for longer and they have a huge platform. But if you're just this person in your garage doing the same thing, like it's not perceived as work, even though you're probably working your butt off. And so it's kind of in the eye of the beholder. Like, I don't know if Kayla has the same feelings towards people in the education industry, but, you know, teaching is kind of its own beast. Um, And it's one of those where... Especially right now. (laughs) Right. And it's one of those where you're not... It's more passion driven. Like most people that are police officers get in that field because they want to protect and serve. Mm -hmm. Most people that become a teacher want to do so because they want to have an impact on a kid's life, right? Right. I would say so. You know, and same with probably goes with, with being a doctor, but your neurosurgeons are going to get paid a lot more than your family practitioners mm-hmm. because there's, it's a highly skilled position. Yes. And so like there's a, there is a, a, a weird perception with, with what constitutes work, but ultimately in my opinion, it's, it's basically providing value to society and re, re, receiving something in return. And the value you're providing is via your time and energy. So we're basically taking our time and energy that we have available, like our own personal currency. Like that's, that's the currency you have. We all have it. We all have a limited amount of time and a limited amount of energy because the energy levels that I'm going to have when I'm 65 is a lot less than what I'm going to, than what I have right now. And so we're taking that time and energy that we have today and we're exchanging that for money. And then we have the option. We can either spend the money on things and bills and fancy cars and whatever. Um, or we can save the money and put the money into work and investments and buy back that time and energy, maybe not energy, the time <laughs> later in life. And we want to work as hard. So we do get the energy back. But so that's the whole concept of, of the whole, the whole thing in a nutshell is to work really hard today, be very intentional with your money and then use that money to purchase back your time and energy later on in life. And that's kind of what I've been working on and thinking about a lot lately. And um, if you think about things that way, it doesn't matter what kind of work you're doing. You're doing, you can do the work that you want to do as long as you're make as long as you're making the income that can support the life that you want to have in 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And so if you can match all those things up, like that's retirement planning in a nutshell. And the idea is to find out kind of what your future life looks like or what you want it to look like and work backwards to today and if you need to make more income to match that life in the future, then that's what you need to do today. And that's what Kayla and I have done. So right now, like I always joke that we're like, everyone in our neighborhood's re- pretty much retired. Like they're of retirement age and they're getting there and they moved here because pretty this much. is where they want to retire. So th- there are some young families. We're not the only ones, but you're definitely right. There's not as many younger families with kids here as older families with kids or just retired people so we're yeah, definitely so one of the, the younger ones like, what's the, what's the difference between what we're experiencing right now 
and the choices we've made to move our family across the country to have like the lifestyle we have right now is probably the lifestyle we're going to have when we're reti- quote unquote retired. We'll yep. probably travel more. We'll probably travel more, but probably we also that. won't have kids weighing us down. <laughs> we can't travel more. Yeah. And, and so the idea is that like we've worked really hard and while we're earning a really high level of income for us, we, um, we've gotten to a place where like we've gotten the house that we, that we, our dream house, the house mm-hmm. that we want to be in yes. for a long time. Yes. We have vehicles that we're going to la- are going to last us for a very long time. Mm-hmm. We have basically, we've created this foundation that says, Hey, we're doing this right now while we have all this money and we can afford to do it. And then when the time comes to retire, like, I mean, all we have left to do right now is invest. Yeah. And so when the time comes to retire, we'll probably, you know, retire, retire by traditional standards, like I kind of flow between the two. But, um, but when the time comes to like the kids are out of the house and we want to quote unquote be retired, um, we'll probably be in our mid to late forties. And so we'll probably downsize our house. We may not, I don't know what our car situation will be, but the the idea is is that like our expenses are going to go way down. And so, um, and so we're kind of experienced right now. We're kind of experiencing retirement while still working. And the funny thing is, is we're never going to stop working. And I've kind of, it's, I'm kind of getting around this in a, in a heart, in a difficult way. Cause I'm trying to find the right words, but the idea is that like, who's going to stop work? Why, who's going to stop working? Why is stopping work ever a part of the conversation? Because you, even if you stop working at your nine to five, like you're still, people still want to give value to society. They want to volunteer. They want to get involved with maybe with their churches or their social groups, or they want to write, become an author, or they want to be a consultant or whatever it may be. People still, you can't just stop work. You can't just stop providing value. You can't just exist in your house doing nothing. And at some point, yeah, you probably have to because you're just too old and you can't physically do those things. Um, and maybe, you know, that's probably and people sitting, you know, probably about in the late 60s, early 70s, maybe mid 70s, where you really start getting physically unable to do a lot of the things that you'd be able to do. But most of us can find a way to provide that kind of value for a long time. Like Kayla, she's going to teach for a long time. Because I love it. How many teachers have you had that <laughs> is, you know, teaching, they're teaching into their 60s? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And I think that that's likely the scenario, yeah. even if we won the lottery tomorrow or whether we won the lottery tomorrow or we become financially independent mm-hmm. when we're 45, Kayla's still going to teach. Yeah. Well, I love it. And it gives me purpose. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I could be a stay at home mom and I could totally find joy in that if that was really what we decided I wanted to do. But um, for me, like... I can do stay, the stay-at-home thing for like six months, and then I'm like, okay, I'm ready to get back to work. You have to do and something. Yes, and I just love, I love being with kids, even if they are my own kids. Like I call my kids in my classroom, like they're my kids. Like because teaching is just, it's just what I meant to do. But yeah, I definitely probably won't stop teaching anytime soon, even if we do have the financial stability for us both to not work. I just love it so much. And I love having that freedom um, to where it doesn't feel like I have to be there. Like I'm there because I want to be there. And I love that feeling like (laughs) because I don't feel like I'm tied to this place, right? If I don't like it, I can move. And and I like that. Like, I don't know. That's just huge to me. Like mm-hmm. when my other coworkers talk about, you know, not liking stuff or not liking something, I'm like, well, you know, like 
I'll be looking at different things in the spring if this doesn't change, you know, because I don't have to stay there. And and if I really, really, really didn't like it and I didn't get a job somewhere else, try again next year. I won't, I don't have to be there. I'm there because I want to be there for the kids. And I feel like that's probably always going to be my mentality. And so that's probably why I'll be teaching forever because I truly enjoy it and I don't have to, I want to. Yeah. And that's, that's what most people are searching for when they're deciding, Hey, I want to be financially independent. Yes. And the reality is, is you can have that before you can have that today before you're financially independent. And the, the, the idea is that like the, the golden handcuffs is, is popular, popular term. And my old sales director used to say like, I love it when my salespeople take on big loans or buy a big house or buy fancy cars because then you're stuck. Yep. You're strapped to yep. that lifestyle and you have to, you have right. those bills are going to come due. And if you build your lifestyle on, on top of the career you have right now or, and you're living at your means or beyond your means, you're not free. You can't right. do anything. Right. Right. You can't, you can't move from one state to another state across the right. country without being a hundred, you know, without, without being a hundred percent sure how it's going to work out. You just can't do it. Like luckily cable is able to get another job, but, she did take a tiny bit of a pay cut to, to make that happen temporarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, our overall, overall house in, household income stayed relatively the same, but we wouldn't have been able to do that had we had these ma- like some massive loans no. or if we didn't buy intelligently buy our house in an, in an area of town that appreciated so fast. The only reason we were, able to, we were able to sell the house in two years was because it appreciated so much yeah. because we bought it in the right town. If we, yep. Had we bought it in the other town, uh, like not like across the river? Yep. Like those houses don't appreciate it. It wouldn't have. And that's why I was such a stickler about buying it there because I yeah. knew that, that that area is just where everybody wanted to be. And so we were very careful about that. Right. And to piggyback off of what Nick is saying, um, I think that this is why I have the mentality that I do about um, about my work because, because we have made those smart financial de- decisions to where um, – I do have that freedom and, um, and to work where I want to work and do, do what I want to do because we don't, we we don't have those huge loans. We don't have that debt looming over us that makes you feel stuck. Well, and yeah, that, and we don't have the student loans. No. The average American has almost $30,000 in student loans. We're two average Americans. So that means our household could have $60,000 roughly on average in student loans. We don't have that. Thank goodness. One of my other coworkers had that between her and her Mm -hmm. husband and they both worked in schools and I don't know how they handle that stress because let me tell you, you do not make enough in a school as a school teacher or what her husband did in a school. He wasn't a teacher, but he worked like, um, just in like essentially like their counseling office and that huge amount of debt. I just, I cannot even fathom the amount of stress that comes with that. Yeah, and the, the the harsh reality is that you didn't. They didn't need to take on the no, debt. no. That's they the did worst. Not. And the truth hurts the most, but it it's so true. And well, I'm not saying this because I got paid to get my degrees. I'm not saying this because you know I had family or friends or somebody you know pay for my whole college. And I'm not saying it because I was a college athlete and everything was covered. I'm saying it because it's the the truth that you nobody needs to go into debt to go to college and. And if you do, I mean, if you do take on loans to do that, it doesn't need to be that crazy. Mm-hmm. For example, 
if you in high, like I don't, if you're self-aware enough in high school to be able to take like the running start classes and they get yeah, the college credit in high school, that helps. You can go to community college. You can work your way through a community college. It might take you an extra year or maybe two years. But it's worth it. To afford it, but it's worth it. And you don't have the loans. You can you can work on top of it. Kayla worked the entire time. Yeah, I did. She went to, well, the whole first year she went to uh, the branch campus for the year. She was a waitress. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the whole time she went to her four-year university to get her teaching degree, she worked at a daycare, like in either in Kansas or in Washington. Ultimately, like right now, she's working full time while working on her master's degree, and we're cash flowing all of it. And we were in, we were intelligent when I, I had the post nine eleven GI bill from the military, and we got financial aid instead of blowing the money. We used it to pay for the rest of her school. But there are infinite ways to pay for your college. You can work your way through it and take longer to achieve it. Um, it had we not joined the military, and let's say we worked our way through it, we still would have graduated probably about the same age would have taken us that long and we wouldn't still wouldn't have had the debt. And so when, when we were in high school, we were like, well, we want to finish college. How can we do this? And um, ultimately the military was the way that we chose to do it because we knew of all of the opportunities and we chose that one. And because that seemed like the fastest path for us and the most, most fun and filled with experience and, you know, potential for maybe I would, maybe I really liked the military and wanted mm-hmm. to stay in. Yeah. And so there was all these like best case scenario, worst case scenario, plan A, B, and C. And we make those decisions as we go with the information at hand. And it's, it stinks to say that to people that have a lot of student loan debt because you're talking to the choir. Like everyone, everybody has it. Yeah. But it wasn't, nece- it wasn't necessary. Well, and I think a lot of the people who have that much debt, um, they chose to go away. They chose to, you know, live away from home. And, and in incur all of these extra fees that you don't need. I mean, you mentioned community college and running start, um, but these days online college is becoming to huge yeah, too, one. huge. And you can save so much. I mean, with my master's, the school that I chose, you can, you can, um, knock out as many classes as you can in a semester. And it's a flat fee. That is like, I can't even explain how huge that is because typically your master's would take you at least two years and I'm knocking it out in 10 months. And I could have done it in six months if we hadn't have done the move. So that would have been one flat fee for an entire master's degree. I mean, and they have undergrads. Like, and you can get accredited. your bachelor's. They are. They're fully accredited. And once you have that paper, I can guarantee your job is not going to care if you got it at Washington State University or UW or or Western Governors University is where I go. I know that there are other accredited online colleges that are just as good. But there are other options. I mean... Maybe if, if in certain degree fields, like if you're going to be a doctor or something like that, of course, you know, you might have to look at different, your different options and do in person, but even for teaching, you can get your bachelor's there and then you just have to do like they'll partner with local schools. So even the schools that you have to have like those hands-on trainings, like they make it accessible to pretty much everyone. So it's just it's huge how long have we been under kind of like the stay at home work from home order right like there's a lot of people that are out of work yeah it was at the peak was like 40 million americans completely out of work and 
here's a like here's something that could have been done during that time period. It was started in like, February, March, six months March, ago. March time about six, yeah, almost six months ago, and uh, something like WGU. I got my MBA through them. Mm-hmm. My hiring manager for the position I'm in now got his MBA doing night classes at the brick and mortar Washington State University campus. He was pumped that I got my MBA. He didn't care how I did it. Right. We talked about it. We talked about it being online, and that was the furthest thing from his mind. To him, I'm a fellow MBA graduate. Yes. And the things I missed out on were networking mm-hmm. and building up those social circles. I'm not going to probably go and be part of a startup anytime soon because of that. And that's where you forge a lot of those relationships and have a lot of opportunity. But I'm a dad of three. I was working in a small town. I My goals were different. And my goals were basically to make myself hireable and ensure that I was going to continue to be able to take care of my family into the future. And, and, uh, that was that's that's kind of the whole reason why I got the MBA. It wasn't to go and be a part of some Silicon Valley, San Francisco, uh, New York City, you know, big or even Austin. Now that we live here, I still don't have that desire to go work in the city at these startup companies. But for example, the last six months, you could have gotten, you literally could have gotten a large portion of a degree completed through WGU. The average time to complete their undergraduate degrees is like half the time of a brick and mortar university, and my MBA took me 15 months, but there's people online that completed it in like eight. Like it's insane. Like you could have been making some really big strides right now while we're under stay at home order, like getting an education. And I understand that like money is tight um, and all of that. But we, I know people that were making that extra $600 a month uh, on top of like an already pretty high like Washington State unemployment insurance. And they were making more money than they were making when they were working. And if that's the case, why not take that surplus and put it in some sort of a savings fund and save that to get save that towards your education? It, I'm not against student loans, but I'm against taking student loans that can't be reasonably paid back within a reasonable amount of time. Right. If you if it took you $10,000 in student loans or maybe even $20,000 to become a teacher, that's probably okay. You're probably going to be able to make that work. But if you take 50 60, 70, $100,000 out to go away to school, maybe private school, and you come out as a teacher, that's not, it's not responsible. It's not socially responsible. And you can't blame anybody else but yourself if you have troubles paying that back. So, I mean, the whole idea is to, to, to craft this, the, the life, to find out the life you want to be living and figure out what you need to do to get there. Like, the idea is we don't all want to become millionaires. Yeah, you need a million, over a million dollars, probably almost $2 million to actually retire nowadays. Um, but the idea is, is like, Kayla and I want to have X amount of dollars in the bank account by the time we're in our mid-40s so that we can continue to make these choices. We can work pretty much doing whatever we want. She'll probably continue to teach. Who knows what I'll do? I'll probably, I would like to get into some form of teaching or consulting or do something like that where it's more like knowledge sharing rather than um you know, data entry and that kind of, that kind of work. Um, but I'm kind of one of those kind of people. I'm a little more free spirited when it comes to my, my nature of work. And I'm not really sure what the future will hold, but I like working. I like, I like feeling like I'm providing something of value and, and, um, excited about continuing to do that until somebody tells me I can't do it anymore. And so that's the whole idea is that nobody wants to quit working. I mean, maybe there are, I mean, there are some people out there that actually don't want to do work and do anything, maybe play video games or something all day. Um, but even then you can make money doing that. And so what's, what's right. stopping you from putting up a camera 
live streaming yourself playing Xbox, like some people are going to watch you. You'll be able to earn a few dollars. I'm sure. <laughs> um, it's a crazy time um, that we live in. And the idea that people that are pursuing fire are uh, wanting to quit the workforce is just, it couldn't be further from the truth. It's really just about the finding the lifestyle that you want to live in retirement and figuring out how you can live it right now. And so like, yeah, I'm doing a stressful job, but Kayla's working the job she's going to work in retirement. She's doing it yep. right now. We have an, a large enough emergency fund in place. We have enough, you know, a good a good enough hold on our finances where if something were to happen to my job, I know exactly how much money I would need to earn to be able to cover our bare bones expenses. And it's less than what I would earn like working at a gas station. And so we have the financial like security and the wherewithal to know that like, hey, I could go get another job. And if my work is no longer enjoyable, I can go work somewhere else. I'm not tied down to where I'm at. So for all assuming purposes, we may not have our financial independence number in the bank today, but we're living the life that we'd be living if we did. That's, Definitely. That's ultimately the, the whole core of kind of what I'm trying to get at. So this notion of retirement, um, long story short, it was, it, it's been around since the, since the 18th century and the average lifespan was no longer than 40 years. It's just crazy we to live, me. We live twice <laughs> as long as that today, right? And retirement is literally defined as the cessation of work. It's actually quitting work. And so, of course, in the, the acronym Financial Independence Retire Early, people think you want to actually quit working. And retirement needs to be redefined because retirement is, is it's a kind of a frame of mind. It's, a, it's a, the idea that you're no longer working because you have to, but because you want to. And that's kind of what we spent the last hour trying to convey. And we may even not have done it in the most A to B way, like straight line way, but we did it the best way we knew how to. And, and I hope that it illustrates kind of our mindset and that if you want something, you just got to, we live in the, the, the country with the most potential for opportunity uh, anywhere else in the world, whether or not you agree with the politics or disagree with the current politics or future politics or any politics, it doesn't matter. The reality is, is that there's a lot of other places in the world that are a lot more difficult and harsh to live in. We live in a place where you have those things, the ability to do those things at your disposal. And the path to get there is literally the thing that stops you from getting there is, is most more often than not yourself, your inability to be consistent, your inability to, to plan and um, have delayed gratification and put in the work today and hope to see it in the future. The follow through. and the, Yeah, the follow through. And Kayla and I didn't come from money. No. no money at all. No, no. <laughs> a lot of the reason why we are the way the way we are is because of how we were brought up, and we, you know, we learned some really good things from our parents, and we learned some things that maybe we want to do a little differently. I don't know. And so we've we came from being high school dating in high school, not knowing what the heck we were going to do. I was almost flunking out of college. Did literally joining the military saved my saved my life as an adult, and it took us a while to figure it out. To figure it out, but we, just kept, <laughs> we kept moving forward. We did. We kept finding out, like, hey, we didn't give up. What's the next step that we want to take, and what do we need to do to make that happen? And it's stressful. It's been stressful at times, very stressful. Very. It's getting to a point now where it's like, oh, we can kind of calm, start calming down, and yeah. back, back off a little bit, and we're only twenty nine. And so we've done all these things, not because we had this big break or these opportunities or things, the red carpet was laid out for us, but we just, we've always taken the opportunities presented to us and, and made the best of the situation. And now we get to live in a, the place, literally the place we've dreamed about living in for a number of years with the amount of kids that we dreamed of having mm -hmm. and doing the jobs. I Like five years ago, I would have killed to have a, a job 
working in software as a service, the SaaS industry, because it's a future kind of future minded fun. You can work from anywhere, work from your computer, make a lot of money doing it. And I'm doing it like it's super exciting. Five years ago, Kayla really wanted to be a school teacher, an elementary school teacher, and she's doing it right now. And so the only difference between us today and our retired selves is that we have a little bit less net worth. That's the big difference. Basically. So we're working on that. We're investing a high number of our large percentage of our income uh, to to achieve that. But I hope this was as clear as mud and made sense. I feel like we always get there, but we take like the long scenic way around. (laughs) We need to take more of the scenic route. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and, uh, you know, follow us on on pretty much any platform that you're on. And, um, well, we hope to hear from you. If you want to follow us on Instagram, that's kind of where you can connect and direct message and let me know you exist. Don't forget to pick up our book if you've made it this far in the episode. It's 99 cents on Amazon. It's called Fire the Family, the ultimate guide to achieving financial independence with a family. So thank you so much for your support and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.